And now, from Kensington Studios in Brooklyn, New York City, Music with the Doctors. Music with the Doctors is a discussion of the world's oldest art form with a new young perspective. We'll be taking a hypercritical look at all things music, from music theory to the theory of the music business and everything in between. So put on your cool cat hat and join the fun. Hello and welcome to Music with the Doctors. I am Dr. Andrew Grau and we are missing our other doctor, Dr. Ethan Feldstein. He is off doing something very doctorly somewhere, but also on the microphone we have our producer, Phil Rosenberg. Dr. Phil Rosenberg. Dr. Phil Rosenberg. And Dr. We, Dr. Phil Rosenberg. Phil Rosenberg. And we are here at Kensington Studios in the lovely part of Brooklyn. And today on our show, we have a few new things uh, going to happen. I had a very traumatic experience last week while trying to get to a show. I crashed my car and almost died. I'm fine, but I almost died. I mean, it's one of those things. So, you know, I guess new life, new show direction. But first like to introduce our guest good friend better drummer known him for going on four or five years now played with him for just as long please welcome luke markham gentlemen so luke you're here with us at kensington studios i am and you've you've been here before to help kind of test the sound equipment we're going to be doing a little bit of playing a little bit later but we're let's get a little bit of scope on the musician, the man, the lover, <laughs> the partier. Could you give us just a little bit about yourself, Luke? Sure. Um, well, I was born in Syracuse, New York, woo, woo. upstate, yes, sir. And uh, grew up just outside in the city of Auburn, New York, woo, woo. central New York, sort of the Finger Lakes area. And I uh, found my way to Oneonta, New York for undergrad woo, woo. Yeah, also still upstate still with andrew <laughs> and uh after graduating you know i came down here to brooklyn to do an internship at master disc studios in manhattan and through that found myself teaching private drum lessons and making some connections and mm-hmm. just playing as much as i can and here i am well give us actually a little bit about master disc studio you know that kind of I guess gives us a little more about your expertise other than just drumming and composing and teaching. Well, I would hesitate to say that I have any expertise coming from MasterDisc. That's a mastering studio. Uh, For people that don't know what mastering is, it's essentially post-production in music, meaning after an album is mixed and finished, it's sent to the mastering engineer who sort of does a final compression and EQing and uh, just basically the final touch-ups. Gets it radio ready, gets the levels correct, as you would hear. If you, if you were to hear an album that was mastered and then listen to an album that wasn't mastered, it would just sound sort of dull. And it would sound, you know, the levels would be significantly lower. Sort of the coloration of the EQ would be kind of boring. And yeah. You would hear the difference, but it's a very unique. It, it was weird watching those guys, man, because it's such... It's so much more a science than uh, kind of a creative thing. Yeah. You go in there and, you know, I watched I watched the Master Frank Ocean's latest album, mm. Channel Orange. A huge, I know, I mean, that thing's, I can't say whether it's gone gold or whatever, but I'm sure it's gone something. Yeah. Massive album. I'm sure you've heard it. And, uh, you know, they go in there and it's like, 
five minutes per song. Wow. It's really, it's a science. They've, they've got it down to muscle memory, these guys. It's so, you know, you come, even with a huge album like that, it's kind of, uh, it, it's, it doesn't matter who the artist is. Yeah, it's just, It all you sort know, of gets treated the same yeah that's that, you know very 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 interesting but it's not like mixing like a mixing the mixing of an album takes forever it's so long and there's so much creation to that, that yeah. That's, yeah do you mean the live mix or the post-production live uh, mix. well not, not necessarily live mix but uh you know after you record the album everything that is not necessarily post-production but everything that's happening after the tracking you know you're talking about panning edits crossfades any sort of reverb that's being added the the compression and eqing that happens during that phase of it all that takes forever and then you get into the mastering studio and it's like all right five minutes per song yeah Boom. and here it is and and, and i mean these guys try you know i'm not gonna over, overstep my bounds yeah, yeah but it's a serious business but it's also kind of a dying business because here we are in the do-it-yourself age and, yeah. and people are starting to realize that they can do it themselves well yeah you you buy isotope five and you're good ozone, you know and and you can kind of do it yourself i'm doing yeah, it myself right exactly and, uh, so uh luke um yeah. you are you're a graduate of the great state university of new york i am at oneonta mm-hmm. with a with a degree in, in music business if i do music industry music Correct. industry sorry degree and i and i minored in audio engineering which is where sort of the mastering and mixing stuff comes in great that so was, yeah who who did you study with up there and you know this uh for for you old not old school but uh i guess indie rock lovers if you're if you're a fan of progressive rock yeah music, progressive rock yeah then yeah, the yeah. name blake fleming should mean something to yeah you. so you studied with blake fleming up there and uh, i studied with blake for three years up there what was that like because you know he's a, obviously a modern awesome drummer guy oh well I, I always tell people that blake is the best teacher i've ever had in and out of music He's just the best. I've never learned from someone like that mm-hmm. ever, regardless of the whatever the field was that I was trying to learn. And he really took me from. I mean, all right, I'll, I'll sort of give you a little going way back in the day. <laughs> totally fine. I mean, that's what we're here for. I was through elementary school, through high school, whatever. And this is not, I'm not saying this to sound cocky or anything, but I was kind of the best drummer just by default. Yeah. Went to a small high school, small, small schools, you know. Yeah. This and that. Had a little bit of natural talent and boom. Didn't have to try very hard. I was the best drummer there. Yeah. And in fact, by the time I got to college, I was bored with drumming. Wow. I was playing, when I got to school, I was more, I was playing more guitar and keyboard mm. than anything because I wanted to write. I wanted to, to be able to create music uh-huh. outside of the drum set. So here I am, some hotshot thinking, you know, that I'm that I'm good enough at so good at drums that I, I can move on to another instrument. And Blake just kicked my ass. I mean, I I never, you know, yeah, said that to him. You know, I, it was very humbling getting to to Oneonta and just sort of being in a bigger bigger pond than I'd ever been. Yeah, I mean, still but, uh, still a small pond by a few yeah. regards, but but in in that sense, bigger yeah. than high school at least. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, man, he just just flipped it on me. He just flipped what i what i thought about drumming totally yeah. upside down and i immediately dropped guitar and keyboard <laughs> and just you know this is it this is what i well we're, we're all we're all, be- we're all better for it i've had I the so. immense pleasure to play with you for the past uh four years um now that you're here you're in you're in new york you know you're 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 teaching you're hustling yep what is 
what is your biggest challenge as a drummer that's huge um for me the biggest challenge is when you're working as a freelancer yeah which i am right now Mm -hmm. there's literally no such thing as time off that's true there's literally like right now i should be practicing yeah you know i mean i'm very happy to be here yeah i'm very happy to be doing this show yeah of course but that that's sort of that's the biggest challenge to me is that mindset that like i can never like i'm never home from work ever yeah and it's kind of sort of exciting and really really terrifying yeah at the same time i mean i kind of made a joke yesterday on facebook i said uh oh great the work week's done because it was friday now the musician's weekend begins because you know exactly because you know when 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 i'm like oh great it's saturday i've got my podcast and then i've got a gig then sunday i have a recording session and then you know monday right it's like i didn't get any time off i was just you know doing it and then most nights when i get home from work it's like okay i'm gonna eat and i gotta go straight out and i gotta go to a gig gotta go to rehearsal i mean next week my entire week is just booked solid yeah and you know i don't think anything of it but you know that's that's what it is to freelance and yeah so it's kind of crazy like what my day should be i should wake up at 6 a.m and i should practice until 6 p.m and then i should go out and do my lessons and my gigs and then i should come home and i should practice till 10 p.m and then i should go to sleep and do the same thing the next day yeah but that you know honestly that's crazy to ask for but (laughs) you know so that's that's the biggest challenge to me living this lifestyle is just that sometimes i'm envious of the people that when when work's done and they clock out from wherever they go home and they can sit and watch tv with a with a clean conscience. and i sort of like sometimes i just get a little how far away are you from legitimately being able to work strictly as a musician uh you mean with no teaching no anything else just you go to your gigs you get paid for your gig at presumably and you go you're able to from just being a musician by itself uh-huh. able to pay the rent and you know i don't mean sting level where you can buy the yeah. world but well i i currently have no non-musical income i'm living exclusively off of musical so income. he's really roughing it i mean this this is something that i was afraid to do that's why i have a day job <laughs> now a big part of that is that i started teaching private lessons that's sort of what's able to supplement the income that comes from performance because honestly performance that was something else i was gonna do because performing like yeah you know oh great i got fifty dollars that barely gets grocery and not even the gas yeah it's nothing i mean it's nice to get paid rather than not yes, yes. absolutely just it's so a different feeling but if you're yeah. if your question is how long will it be until i don't have to teach until you're doing strictly gigs strictly until you're only gigs. teaching people that well, like you find a student you think they're wonderful and you can just yeah. teach them for free well i think all my students are wonderful oh uh, <laughs> right. of course that was and actually they are i've got some seriously talented little kids that's yeah. that's and, good uh, but to get back to your question man i don't know i i'm uh incredibly pessimistic when it comes to <laughs> me so i would say i would say 10 years and with a lot a lot a lot of luck 10 years from now yeah yeah now what the truth is i don't know if i if i you know if tomorrow i decided to start waking up at 6 a.m and practicing till 6 p.m then maybe two years but it all depends you know it really it really that that, i mean that's the thing is i could make it two years yeah how much of it is luck though how much of it has nothing to do with how much you practice but just being in the right time at the right place if i had to break down 
Yeah. Wasn't it bon- making it as a musician? Wasn't it Bon Scott who gave the percentages? Oh, I don't know. What, what did he give? Because I'll give you mine. He, ga- he gave it's 20% talent and 80% luck. Like you could be the worst bass player in the world, but you were there at the right time. Like Duff McKeegan, the, or not Duff McKeegan, crap. Who's the guy, the bass player for Van Halen? Couldn't even play bass. Eddie, Eddie had to teach him, oh, but because God, he was at the right place, right time. He shares the name with some old Julius Caesar character. Mark Anthony. Yeah, Mark Anthony. Yeah. He literally was in the right place at the right time and was friends with the right people, and they showed him how to play bass, which is why I don't listen to Van Halen, because I'm like, this is... this is. I could... I could When I was 15, I played be- better bass than this guy. This is ridiculous. Well, that's a great point, actually, that you bring up. I, I just... I'll, I'll yeah, yeah, yeah. ask this question, and then I'll jump out, but... You're touching on like video kill the radio kind of subject. Yeah. Which is, you know, I'm doing a project on this particular thing. Uh, what is it that makes something pop and what makes it good? I mean, apparently it's not chops. It's not just, it's not, it's not no, in it's some not. cases, chops, as you say, have nothing to do it's with nothing. being able to make enough money to not do anything but play music. In some, you know? I, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. Man. I, I, I could go on like a 30 minute tangent right now yeah. about that question. Go ahead. I mean, so let me talk about it if you let want. Let me let me jump back for one yeah. second and and talk about just the percentages and, and and luck you brought up. How much luck? Yeah. How much do you think luck has to do with it? The eighty twenty. Yeah. Eighty percent luck. That's a little crazy. I would say, and and who might even say this, but I would say it's forty percent skill. Yeah. Forty percent business know how. Yeah. And then twenty percent luck. I mean, that, that's also part of marketability. Like, we're talking about what makes it pop. The 40% he's talking about um, is, you know, you're able to market yourself. You're able to have an online right. presence. You're able to, like, get people to come out. And a large part of that is your attitude and basically how you look. And I know it's really shallow, but the reason why I kept my beard off for such a long time is because I was really convinced that if I shaved my face, more people would want to come see me play. And as a result, I've had more people say they like the beard, so the beard stays. Well, because uh, here's the thing with marketability, sort of taking a chunk out of that big Bond Scott luck thing. Yeah. If you're a smart businessman, you make your own luck. That's I, I look at my own situation. I came down to MasterDisc and I worked for free. I did, you know, I, I and... I got not a lot out of it, but what I did get was I met the accountant there who worked for an after-school teaching program, and uh, you know, and then I got involved with that, and now I'm able to make a living because I teach and I got all these private students to that. Was that lucky? Yes. Did I get it because I was lucky? No. Yeah. I got it because I went to that internship and I busted my ass. And I, I have smart. a new formula. I have an, instead of it being eighty twenty or forty forty twenty. How about it's forty twenty with a variable the variable being variable being how much business you're willing how much effort you're willing to put in business wise if you're only willing if you put in that 40 that full 40% maximum effort now you make it 40 40 20 if you only do that if you only put in half your effort now it's 40 20 40 and 40% becomes luck and only 20% is business absolutely well and said if yeah. you don't do any right. business stuff at all right now it's you know, eighty percent luck and twenty percent right. your 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 chops. We were I guess. talking poker earlier. You know, you know the concept of pot odds and all that. Sure. You can make your pot odds in your favor, or as close in your favor as it's going to be. Yeah, you can make your luck percentage as in your favor as it's going to be by being a smart business person. It's more yeah. like blackjack, actually. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's more like blackjack, where you right. can get because in fact, when you're at the casino at a blackjack table, you can increase the odds to something like fifty-five, forty-five, or sure. something like that. I mean, you know, and and the biggest the biggest thing, especially, I was gonna bring this up actually, because um, I were this was actually my next question. This transitioned almost perfectly. This is kind of weird. Get off my wavelength now. <laughs> um, 
I found that, you know, I myself have, you know, a quartet and I, you know, I'm a band leader, but I've kind of fallen out of that because it's so, fr- it's frustratingly hard. It's mm. like nothing is more depressing than trying to convince people that I, I should be able to play at your place. You should pay me and feed me. And that just frustrated me so much that I, I didn't give up on it but I just haven't put the effort in because I'm just not happy with how it is. So that, so I'm putting in like the, the tw- Kurglerp, I'm sorry. I'm just doing, I'm drinking I'm, as I'm, <laughs> I'm doing like the 20% luck be- or the 20% business because it's just so goddamn frustrating, you know, at least for me. And I don't, you know, there's also not enough hours in the day. And I've also transitioned from me having to get my own gigs to I've, you know, played with enough people that now I get called for more stuff. So Luke, what are some of the, uh, frustrations that you find as a band leader because you do have your own group. Yes, I do. I have uh, the Markham group. Yes, which is my my jazz group, my jazz band that I'm very happy with right now, and we play every Tuesday. And uh, that was not Andrew Grau's cell phone. No, it certainly was not. I don't know why I looked at mine. Huh? We uh, <laughs> we play every Tuesday in Times Square at a great little bar called Bar Catalonia. It's free. Mm. It's free. That's a cool place, actually. Oh, it's awesome. You should you should come up, Phil. And they yeah. and they're there's why do you assume I've never been there? <laughs> Silly rabbit. It's a great... You wouldn't even think... Like, you think Times Square... Yeah. Jazz Club, you don't want to go there. You no, immediately it's, don't. It's, but it's great. Tourist trap, place yeah. is awesome. Yeah, and they're, they're, the drinks are really it's pretty mellow, reasonable. It's mellow, yeah. It's a good selection of cool craft beer. The staff yeah. is excellent. It's a good spot. So, anyway... I have been there, actually. I haven't been to your guys' gigs, but I have Oh, you ought to come out. It's... Yeah. yeah. It's free, and, you know, you basically get to spot. see stuff, and the Bronx Brewery is being sponsored, and the Bronx Brewery <laughs> yeah, is really yeah, thank good. Thank you to the like, Bronx Brewery. For wow, it. I can't even tell you. I didn't even know the Bronx had a brewery, and they're like, yeah, we just started with a pale ale, and now we've got seven beers. They yeah, did kind of the Brooklyn too. the Brooklyn Brewery kind of thing. So, man, and they the guy that came and saw us play, like, as a rep, he just loved <laughs> us. He just couldn't get over that we yeah, were doing this. Nice. It was like, oh! He was so, awesome. So, yeah, I, I should mention that Andrew is my great bassist in that group. Whoopsie. I have the similar experience, you know, not musically, but uh, I run the other show, Sex and Politics. Mm. So it's what a hassle to get talented, dedicated people that oh, are willing man. to work for nothing yeah. because they're just because they're dedicated to the project as opposed to the dollars. Because I, yeah. I do it for nothing as well. Uh, we're generating a little bit of income now, actually, thank God, finally, after all these years. But. Uh, it's hard, man. It's hard, and and it, it's about it's m- almost more about like how much how much love you have for a thing that everyone else can sort of like feed off of. Yeah, because well, here's the thing with uh, with a- any of the art. So this would go for you as well. When it's your product, of course you're super passionate about it. Yeah, obviously you, your heart and your soul are into it. Now and, to get yeah. other people to get as passionate as you is not going to happen. I, I've, I have I have I uh, have you know completely come to the understanding that there's no way that anyone else could be as excited about markham group as i am i don't know now I'm, you're at like 99 percent. i'm like God, i'm really like st- yeah. stoked to shit about this so that's what the, that's sort of the initial thing is you kind of got to get over that but you got to find people that are still reliable enough yeah. my biggest pet peeves as a band leader are people that don't show up on time yep it drives me crazy because i'm always always on time that goes back to the the 40 percent yeah business and uh you know people that aren't on time people that don't look at the the songs beforehand yeah. or you know i'd rather hear that you can't play the tune than than show up and, and then phone it in and like it. really mess it up because yeah. that's that is frustrating 
Um, so anyway, yeah, there's those obvious things. There's dealing with the venue and trying to make sure that you do I'm kind of curious to hear one of your... Why don't we take a quick break yeah, just gonna, for like two or three minutes and, yeah, and hear yeah. one of your tunes. Yeah. yeah. And one, we'll come back and talk some more about how, how we put bands together and all that. Exactly. Great. Let's do... Uh, I've I've got a great bootleg recording of an original composition of mine called Males Object from our yeah. show at Males Bar or Nails Object? Uh, Males. Males Object. Males is, uh, Object. Yeah. It's... Well... I, doesn't matter what it All right, is. well, here it is, guys. Yeah. Check it out. Tell us if you like it. And we'll be back in just right after this tune. Hang in there, folks.
Right, we are back. Music with the doctors. I am Dr. Andrew Grau. I am Dr. Philip Rosenberg, and we are unfortunately missing our Dr. Ethan Feldstein. Ethan Feldstein, we are thinking of you. He's I, here spiritually. Yes, I actually call him Ephraim. Believe it or not, Ephraim is here spiritually. I can feel his presence. He's here, and we are it's a little bit agitating. <laughs> we are here. We are here <laughs> with our guest. Luke Markham, and I just wanted to point out we didn't we forgot to bring this up in our first segment, um, but he, he brought up that he's from Auburn, New York. Well, I'm from a town over called Skinny Atlas. Beautiful Skinny Atlas. We literally grew up a town apart, not even 30 minutes from each other, and we didn't meet until I was a junior in college. Yep. So... 2009? 2010? Yeah, 2010. 2010. Or like, no, it was 2009, 2010. Yeah, yeah. because that... Because um, I graduated 2001. 20 years. Boy. Of growing up next to each other and I have no idea. It's it's some it's, it's some fate. That's crazy. It's so ironical. It's so <laughs> so cool. Why? So Luke, you are a drummer, composer, band leader, teacher, lover. <laughs> lover. Um could you less of the latter than Yeah, right. Oh drummer. god. Can you uh can you actually tell us some some I guess you we actually had a interview earlier this week, believe it or not, and I'm I really liked this this what you brought up as a frustration as a drummer um in reference to I guess moving and playing kits. Oh. Could you could just kind of I know I'm leading you really hard into this but I want you to talk about that because it's actually kind of funny 
and it's like really so true. So all right, well, this is for any of you flautists or trumpet players out there, or even violinists, or violinists, or just about anything that's not an upright bassist or a drummer. And even you upright bassists, I don't feel too bad for you. You should. I don't feel too bad. <laughs> Sorry, bitch. So here it is. What what you uh, portable instrumentalists don't realize is that as a drummer you have two options when you're when you're working in a city like New York where you can't necessarily drive around. Option one is you sling the whole thing over your shoulder. You pack it up as compact as possible. You put the whole thing on your shoulder. Bring it onto the subway. Get the dirty looks. You know, get the angry people. Be in everyone's way. And here's what I want to say to those people. First of all. You can say fuck you, because I'm saying fuck you to them. I know, yeah, I'm trying not to curse. So, yes, Phil Phil will say for me. Fuck you. <laughs> so, fuck I, you, people on the subway that are bothered by my giant drums. What I want to tell those people is there's no possible way that you are more inconvenienced by this than I am. <laughs> there's just no way. Like, okay... Yeah. You're getting paid though, they're not. Yeah, I'm getting paid, but uh, I'm I'm sorry that you have to sit there and look at me do this and that that's so upsetting to you. I have to carry the damn thing every Tuesday. How bro. many seats do you take up on the thing? I've got it down to two seats. I only take up two seats. I'm very, very considerate. Does anyone ever have to stand because you have drums? Uh, Yeah, but again... Do you think it's just that one person, like not the whole car, but just that one person has maybe a little, maybe a little bit of right no, to look at you and be like, come on, man. If I'm standing up, yeah. I'm taking up the whole... And the, people can't walk by me. Yeah. So I'm right. either taking so. up that one spot or you're not walking through this car. Yeah. And it's just... Okay, know. fair enough. I mean, I, I'm just... By nature, I play devil's advocate. Totally, I say still totally. fuck that. And you're man. right. No, and I, and I understand why these people get obsessed. So anyway, here we go. Back to back to being a drummer. So that's yeah. that's option number one, is you carry the whole thing, and I do that every Tuesday for our wonderful gig at Bar Catalonia. Don't mind it a bit for them, because they're a great venue for us, and they really... They treat us very well. So of yeah. course, I'm willing to do that. Of course. That's option one. Option two <laughs> is you play the house kit. He says that with such a dire tone. Oh, goodness. The house The house kit. kit. Because... Man, you just don't realize. You just don't realize what, like you trumpeters and you, you flautists and you. I mean, you could just bring your snare, right? Oh, bonus! I mean, you well, could bring a yeah. snare and like one cymbal. I usually bring my cymbals. I have or a like great. A I have a great backpack kit from Soul Tone Cymbals, which is a company that I endorse, and they they treat me very well too. Soultone.com. Soultone.com. Soultonesymbols.com. Right? Yeah, I'm on the I'm on the artist page there. Uh, I believe it's just soultonesymbols.com slash Luke Markham. And uh, yeah, they, they gave me this awesome backpack case. So, you know, bringing my symbols around isn't a big deal. Yeah. I can bring the snare if I want to. But the house kit, man, the house kit can be, it's just like a bag. It's like the mystery bag when you go, yeah. you know, you okay. go Halloween was oh. was just around. And some people just give out the enclosed bag and you don't know what's going to be in there is it going to be skittles is it going to be it's raisins you know no! yeah 10 percent off at the sons dentist of or something so the house kit can be just a dreaded dreaded thing and and it will affect the way that you play yeah like wednesday to, oh, oh, we played a gig wednesday man. in uh the art cafe for the hoover dam god collective. bless them though they put on a great show and they're yeah. doing a really good thing the hoover dam collective is doing a really cool local by locals yeah. thing here yeah. in, in brooklyn it's based out of crown heights and uh yeah. We played with a guitar jazz trio there on Wednesday. This guy Sam Lester, it's his Sam trio. Lester, great really, trio, like really killing. But awesome anyways, show. yeah, a lot of fun. But the house kit, oh. oh goodness, they you know there were no legs for the floor tom. 
the bass drum. So what do you do in that spot? One what do you side, do? You adjust. That's all you can do. But it, it will change the way you play. And, yeah. you know, like if I get somewhere and I hate the snare drum, it's, it's yeah. going to change the way that I perform, especially when you're doing improvised music as we do. Yeah. It, it can greatly affect the way. And sometimes it's cool. Like sometimes, I mean, it's, it's, it can it's be cool by accident kind of thing. Yeah. If it's part of improv is you're, you're improvising out of necessity. That reminds that me of a, I would like to ask you a question as a, as a drummer and mm-hmm. Andrew, you, I would like to address this question to you as well because you guys are both rhythm. Yeah. So I was a real interesting experience. I, it changed my perception of percussion when I saw stomp. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I saw it yeah, a couple yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. It makes you say, I didn't realize it wasn't in the drum kit. The drum kit has nothing to do with it. It's yeah. oh, it's inside me, and the and the drum kit is just it could be a box, uh, your feet, you know, anything. Sure, it's a, the a base, yeah. an apple, right? So how do you? I mean, so considering that, mm-hmm. then having, I mean, it might be kind of. I can see how it might be kind of cool, and I wonder to do. Would it make you feel? What if you had to be play like? Maybe it's different with a bass a little bit because you have the strings that you have to rely on, right? They must be correct for you to, you know, and you got to have picks. You're not really dealing with picks, are you? I'm not dealing with picks, no. no. Yeah. Uh, well, never mind my stupid question. <laughs> uh, well, I like where it was going. I like yeah, the, yeah, I like what, the direction. What, what were you going to say as far as the drums? Like, uh, Well, I was going to ask if it isn't kind of cool having to... Uh, one of the most fun times I ever had playing percussion was when I was forced, because I didn't have a drum, to play one of those garbage pails that had a... Like, you stick a can in and you sort of lift it up and you throw your can in. Mm-hmm. So it was like you bound on the top and like... You know, you have to do it, right? So if you have a kit that is, well, like, you yeah. don't know it, now yeah. it's like being in stomp almost, isn't it? A little bit, yeah, especially because some of these house kits sound more like garbage cans and drum sets. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, like on, for example, on Wednesday, yeah, the floor tom didn't have legs. So it's just, all right, no floor tom tonight. Yeah. <laughs> the snare drum, the snares weren't on. I had to, I had to put the snares on myself. And I wasn't sure if it was going to work. And if it didn't, okay. Yeah, Played I mean, with no, no. There, there was like a there, there. there was like a rip in the bottom of one of the toms. Yeah, I mean, one oh of the toms. This was, was just, just unusable. A, this was just a ghetto kit. But you know, yep. honestly, the rip could be cool. Actually, that I could see being cool, possibly. Yeah, I mean, but you know, at, at the end of the day, though, we still sounded good. It still was really and fun. You play, and that's what's great about improvised music is. You know, you're taking all the factors of the moment, be it the audience, be it the physical kit. Be it how you're feeling, how if many you're drinks sick, you if you're upset. I was in a foul mood on Wednesday. Yeah, I, and and honestly, <laughs> and I think it kind of helped. I mean, well, well, let me let me tell you guys. I've known Luke for a while, and he's one of the sweetest, nicest guys <laughs> I've ever met. I could tell something was amiss, but it was more like maybe he like had bad gas. It wasn't like no, it was that. It, it wasn't, wasn't even bad. like it wasn't even like he was it like was in a foul <laughs> mood. It just seemed like oh, he's like he's he's he must be like he must have ate something weird for lunch. Like that's I, what I took it as, not like oh, he's in a bad mood. No, so I, had it well. I was so I was Luke in a bad mood oh, is man. like. No, I put on a good show. Yeah, but, but was, I showed up unhappy. You don't want the drummer to be in a bad mood, no, right. or maybe I don't know, man. I, I've played. If it's a rock show, maybe. Maybe, but or even punk. well, the thing with improvised music though is then that became part of the show. Yeah, and you know, we that actually became part of that set. We actually really killed it. Like we I was. Did. That was a good. Yeah, was yeah good the, our guitar player Sam. He's uh, he he's a really like a great guy, very even even keel kind of person. Works really hard at what player. he does. He's a fantastic player. player. And you know, I I've played with him for a while. And you know, when we rehearse with him, it's like. We get the stuff down, and it's good. I'm like, you know, okay, that was wonderful. But then when we actually play, I mean, he just, for some reason, a light goes on, and he just shreds and kills yeah. it. Yeah. And there was one day, um, I, I accidentally double-booked us, 
and we our, our previous guest that we've had on the show, Dan Vicentaner was playing with us, and Sam was playing us, and uh, Luke, and it was a Grautet double booking, and every solo Sam took was just like, whoa, and Dan is also one of those people that when the, when the spotlight comes on, yeah, he, he just it knocks it out, and he knows how to play to crowds, so both these guys just have all this energy, and like I couldn't stop smiling, and I'm a person that doesn't like to smile when I play. I like to be serious and <laughs> the brooding musician, and I just yeah. couldn't stop smiling, and listening back, I'm like, God damn, these guys can play. Those recordings, yeah. You guys are, I think, also describing something that that doesn't happen as much as it used to also a lot of music is pre-produced right a lot of music that you buy in the store or like download from iTunes yeah if you go to a live gig of course that's not the case you guys are describing something that only can happen in a live gig absolutely like like there's no that's one of the things that bothers me about music is when everything is produced perfectly when I don't hear a mistake in there I know that someone either these guys are consummate consummate professionals and even then there's oh you know if you have a long piece it's rare not to have any mistakes at all zero mistakes yeah oh, man and, yeah. and yeah. mistakes Do you make even the want music to hear that, right? yeah it's mistakes texture I, I agree and as Miles Davis said there are no mistakes because honestly you if yeah. you like there one are. of the yeah what are the rules and one of the best recordings of Nardis ever was uh, Bill Evans trio up I believe it was in Montro or somewhere where they started they started and ended in completely different like uh, uh, tempos. But that didn't matter. It was awesome because it's, you know, it's music. And that's kind of what it should be instead of this bubblegummy kind of, oh, this is perfect. Um, But then again, that being said, I also like that because I don't have to think about it as much. And I can actually concentrate more on just, you know, a completely different role. In the, sorry. That's okay. (laughs) In the recording, that's fine. If it's perfect in the recording, yeah, that's great. Fine. But in the live show, I want to see some risks taken. I want to see you would like it perfect in recording. See, that means though, when for you're listening, music. it's also perfect for pop music. So what you're saying is for like a person that doesn't have any ear that has or palate, because that's what pop really means, right? Well, yeah, the, for the, the average person, well, popular. Yeah, but I I don't want to talk down to the pop audience in, in a way. Uh, and well, and say it, how you feel. Well, let's say what's really there. Whatever it is. What I really feel is, is that there's a comfort in repetition and perfection for the average. Because, l- listen, when you sit down and you listen to Bill Evans' Tree Up Mancho, that's a different listening experience than someone who's sitting and listening to... Lady Gaga. Well, sure, Lady Gaga. I like her. Yeah. When you're listening <laughs> to Lady Gaga, you may be... You're usually at the gym or it's in the background at a bar. or something. It's not that intense listening experience. That maybe sitting and listening to to Bill Evans mantra is face. So if that's perfect and repetitive, that's okay because that's kind of that's the comfort. That's what you're looking for there. Yeah, if that makes sense. And so in pop music, I think that's okay. But in the live show, I don't want to see perfection. And and honestly, let's let's also be real here. There was a time when jazz was pop music, and like and Frank Sinatra in all the annals of jazz history is not considered a jazz singer. He's considered a pop singer who had a jazz band backing him. And there's a, even a reason why we call jazz standards standards because they that was pop at the time. These were show tunes. You're, you're touching on a really important topic. It's one of my... Thank you very much for doing that. One of my... It's like, oh, and throw it to Phil. And Kensington <laughs> so Studios. Here's the thing, right? Why isn't jazz a pop form? That's a reasonable question go. to ask. Here we go. And I've been doing a little bit of research about this, and I just wonder what you guys think. So, shall I tell you? I would like to ask you what you think first, or would you like to see what I've found before I tell you? Would you Phil, I'll leave you it go, up to you. Phil, you Get go it first. Out now. Okay. I'll, this is, well, first of all, when jazz began, 
uh, when sorry, we're talking an early twentieth century uh, formation when it when it it began to take hold by borrowing from pop music. So. It didn't stand by itself and say, hey, we're a new form and let listeners decide whether they liked it. They went out and built a bridge to popular culture. These musicians did, right? And so it was easy to walk across that bridge for the average listener. Today, when you use the word standard, for example, another word you could use is traditional. Yes. Yes. Right? So that means you're not attaching or building a bridge to pop music as it is today you've you're using an old bridge to pop music from the you know 1920s or 10s yeah so that i think is a problem for jazz in my opinion right if if what you want is to have a business success if you want to which means uh engage popular culture yeah, and by and could, that can be bad. You can some people say, well, it waters it down if it's part of pop, but it also gives puts more money in it. And now jazz musicians can be jazz musicians only. You know, Lady Gaga doesn't have to do anything but be Lady Gaga, right? Yeah. So, so that's what you know. I think we should be building a bridge to yeah. pop music. Well, here's here's something. There are there are people in the jazz world specifically that realize that, like the Bad Plus. I mean, they do. Mm. This smells like Teen Spirit. But jazz, um, Richard Cheese does swing like Sinatra versions of like I want to fuck you like an animal. I mean, there are people there that do that, and there's sure. also uh, a band I can't remember their name, but I got to listen to them. They did uh, Adele's "Rolling in the Deep," but it was a big band, and it was killing. Yeah. And you know that it. I don't feel like it waters it down. I just feel like, and I know I'm gonna really regret saying this but I still want to say it I feel like jazz musicians have gotten too into themselves boom thank you I feel like they've gotten way too heady about this and that and this and that kind of started in the bebop era because you know before the bebop era there was Louis Armstrong and he was very very popular and he was and he had a lot going for him but when the bebop era came out they hated him they said he was basically like a field hand singing they they really hated him but you know he was a popular he was popular and bebop was popular among musicians. So, you know, we kind of got into ourselves a little too much as musicians, and there's a lot of people now that still do that. And I think it's good that they're there, because when I go to see Wayne Shorter, I don't want to go hear him play Justin Bieber. I want to hear him play Wayne Shorter stuff. I want to hear really weird and out there stuff. But, you know... um, and the only thing that you know, like jazz, like these bigger acts do now, is they do rearrangements of of standards to make it more modern or make it you know more grasp. You can grasp it better. Um, like I, I last year sometime I saw Eddie Gomez play with um, oh, Eddie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought we weren't recording. I was about to shoot myself. Oh. We are though. Oh, oh thank God. God. <laughs> Oh, okay, yeah. I was gonna say I saw I saw Eddie Gomez play with a with a up and coming well up and up and came uh, vocalist or not vocalist a marimba player and they did take the A train and you know everyone knows take the A train totally. because it's just that's that's from yes one of the most recognizable jazz tunes but she made it in like a really cool different time signature and did all the stuff and modernized it but I think that we should take that fervor of doing that for for older tunes and doing that with you know modern tunes and i feel like there should be more of a a bridge how about i have an idea go ahead go ahead yeah i just want to because because this topic is all consuming to me yeah i lie awake at night thinking about this yeah and 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 that makes three of us actually on such a huge point which is that 
jazz music isn't popular anymore because of jazz musicians. Jazz musicians made, to me, jazz music a music that totally ostracizes the average listener and is only that can only really be appreciated by a jazz musician. There's a reason why Giant Steps isn't on the radio, but yeah. why saxophone players like Giant Steps. Because it's a song that's super impressive for Giant Steps. Yeah. But it's not really appealing to the average listener, you know, to think about. And you look at the whole the whole sort of career arc of jazz music and you know, it started off with New Orleans, you know, kind of like marching band type stuff and, and you know, and then it gets into the big band swing era and then it gets into bebop and then holy shit, you know, it's bebop and this is crazy and and we can't, you know, and now the only people that like this anymore are jazz musicians and then Miles Davis comes out and all right, we need cool jazz. We need that refractory yeah. period and here we are, we're back and now people can listen to this again. And then that starts to build up and then all of a sudden you're getting into you know, sort of the uh, kind of out there, the free jazz starts to come in, and then holy shit, here we are again, and no one can listen to this except jazz music or jazz musicians, and then boom, funk comes out, and you get to Electric Miles with the with the rock beats, awesome, and that stuff's great. But then that starts getting out of there, and then oh god, here's fusion and and all this stuff, and now it's getting too crazy, and now we don't, you know, now no one likes it except jazz musicians again. Yeah, and then boom, here's rock you know sort of coming along on the side yeah and that's just steady rhythm and the biggest thing about jazz music that's sort of ostracizing to the the average audience is that it's it's become steeped in harmony and not rhythm harmony doesn't make like i don't care how fancy your your harmonic matrix is in your song if it doesn't sound good then it doesn't matter like if Impressive doesn't get you far. Well, you can't use that word. You can't say if it doesn't sound good because that's that's subjective. That's subjective, right? But here's what I mean when I say that from the average from the the average listener. But you can't still again it's subjective because there's not a unified average listener, right? Or is there? Are you suggesting that there is? I would say that you could you could make a pretty big distinction between a jazz musician and an average music listener. I'll say it that way. Oh, well, that's 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 probably certainly true, in fact. Yeah. But that's different than saying using the word... I object to the word good sometimes because it's hard to... Sure. You know, one person's good is another person's pile of doo-doo. So, so. I'll, I'll rephrase yeah. it this way. Sound good to, let's say, like the 80th percentile a lot of people oh, yes, yes. <laughs> all right but yeah. so but so yeah. but when you start thinking about rhythm and that's why in my compositions it starts with the rhythm it's based in the rhythm and it's steeped in rhythm and harmony is sort of a secondary component to it because everyone gets rhythm you go to a nets game you go you know a couple minutes northwest from us and go to a go to the barclays center and at some point over the speakers you're going to hear boom boom clap Boom, boom, clap. Very and, primitive. And 33,000 yeah. drunk people with no musical talent are all going to get pumped up and line up with that rhythm. All of them. This Everyone is, can feel that. This is actually, this is a perfect place to stop and leave it as sort of a cliffhanger. And that's what, so let's do that right now. Sure, We're going to sure. come right back. I want to play for you a jazz, check out this jazz tune whose rhythm is really primitive in that way. But not all jazz is funky and out there. Check out this tune. Tell me what you think. We'll be right back in two minutes.
Thank you.